Henry? About what? Well, the fact that we're about to star in our very own show in front of millions of people ready to tear us apart like jackals if we form it up. What are you doing? Oh, I was trying to make a big interest, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, do you mind if we get the show started, man? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Dear Diary, hi, it's me, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, and welcome to the show, everybody. Kick it. Welcome to season four of Splat Attack, a 90s podcast overflowing into the slime filled past. I'm your Nicktoon animator, Brett. And I'm your Nick Network executive, Alex. And Brett! Yes, Alex? What are we talking about today now that we're in our newly upgraded slime tank? Yes, uh, the slime is flowing better than ever, and we're so happy to be here thanks to Jordy and Manny's help uh, upgrading it. So uh, I think I think we got to start things off fresh with our fresh slime in here and uh, do some pilot episodes, favorite pilot episodes to be exact. Oh man, that's that, that's a that's a fun idea. It, it's not often that we get to look at episodes on this podcast that laid the groundwork for shows that we all know and love today but I'm happy we're shining a light on some of these hidden gems. So this will be fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, although, unfortunately, some of them are still lost to time. We might mention them near the end just for, like, posterity's sake so people know that they actually existed uh, at one point. But I'm I'm excited to dive into this list because we got a, we got an eclectic bunch of uh, picks here. Some of them, you know, animation related, some of them live action, some of them most people don't even think about, others people know very well. So I think there's something for everybody here today. Oh, awesome. So before we jump into our picks, who is our guest joining us today? Well, according to this pitch Bible on our desk, it looks like uh, Isaiah Reed is scheduled to share his picks with us today for about three seconds. <laughs> hey guys, how are you? Doing pretty good. Thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to come out. Uh, Isaiah, uh, we've been following him. Well, no, I've been following him for quite a while on uh, RetroZord over on Instagram. And has you've also put some things out on archive.org, right? Yeah, I've been, uh, well, for years now, uh, trying to keep up with some of the lost media things, whether it be archive or some of the uh it, you know lesser known sites like classicnickshows.net and uh sites like that um yeah uh mostly like nickelodeon magazines but then some vhs tapes that i've ripped that have recordings from the 90s with the original commercials and everything love it awesome it's yeah. awesome yeah, you're doing great work there, helping us preserve the slime-filled past by uh, helping generations to come remember what it's like to, uh, you know, experience Nickelodeon in the '90s. And I know a lot of us were really big into recording shows with our VCRs then. So, very happy that uh, there are people like you out there who are continuing to uh, help us preserve and archive all this footage that is. It's it's so hard to keep track of because there's just so much of it. But um, you know, every little effort towards preserving that experience of it, you know these shows what it was like to be alive then is is well worth the effort 
Yeah, Isaiah's been doing a great job of archiving a bunch of stuff and has found a whole lot of things and made it available for us 90s Nick fans as much as you can. So thank you, Isaiah, for all that you do. And knowing how much he loves Nickelodeon, especially 90s Nickelodeon, I and we're talking about 90s Nick pilots, we, we had to have Isaiah. Yeah. So th thank you again for coming out. Thank you, guys, for having me. And, I mean, you guys are also doing quite a service with your podcast just uh keeping all this classic stuff relevant and um making all the info available for new people in the fandom and you know folks like us who have been in the fandom for 25 30 years <laughs> that's just you know you guys do some wonderful work it's well, thank, very thank much you it's very kind of you to say well, before we get started, Brett, tell me something. Yes. What is a pilot anyway? No, not me in this cockpit of the airplane. What is the pilot for which we're talking about? I mean, that is one definition, but uh, <laughs> rel relative to uh, TV, a pilot is basically a, a concept that's meant to test the waters uh, with the network to see if they can bring that to fruition through a series, you know, making it to air. Uh, many pilots may be produced and some of them may never even see the light of day after they're shown to network executives, but some of them are even revamped to be later used in episodes um, for a series as we'll come to find with some of our picks. Uh, it, it all depends on the whims of the, the decision makers to ultimately see, sow the seeds of these TV shows um, that we watch to see if they flourish or not. And I do want to mention also that there's more than one different type of pilot as well. There, apparently there are some called backdoor pilots where there's a concept that's a little bit different than what you're used to for a series and it's usually nestled within a series in like a later episode. And if that tests well with audiences, you know, that new concept, for example, the Rugrats All Grown Up episode that spun off into All Grown Up in the early 2000s, uh, then they take it and run with it. Another example is uh, Go, Di Go Diego Go from the Door Explorer Nick Jr. series. So you never quite know where you'll find a fresh new idea ready to be turned into a, a TV series uh, when something goes to air. Yeah, and there is there is a lot of Nickelodeon pilots. Uh, like Brett had said, there was a lot of them that are lost to time. But if you want a fairly solid list of um, Nickelodeon pilots that have gone through the network, you can find almost a complete list over on the Wiki fandom page, uh, which we'll put a link to down below. So Yeah. Yeah, we've also found a couple of links to pilots on YouTube as well while doing research for this episode. So we can always throw those links in the description as well if you want to check them out. Um, found some like info on a lost uh, Roundhouse episode, Angry Beavers, Pete and Pete, Fairly Odd Parents, that sort of thing. But we'll, we'll get to those later uh, at the end of our episode. So starting off with our favorites, uh, Isaiah, would you like to start us off with your first pick? Absolutely. So my first one is the pilot of Keenan and Kel, um, appropriately titled Pilot. Um, so the show s starts off the way you know we have learned to expect with the guys walking out onto a stage in front of a huge red curtain um kind of introducing the episode although since this is the first one it did not really go as 
in detail as some of the intros go, but it, overall it was the, the right formula for the uh, the show as it moved forward. So in this first episode, um, of course, Keenan and Kel come up with a harebrained scheme to reach a goal without having or without having a plan to do the work necessary. And their goal in this episode is to buy a car. And how do they plan to come up with the money? Well, they hope to win $10,000 by finding a golden monkey prize in a box of cereal, which they open 700 boxes of inside the Rigby's grocery store where Keenan works. And of course, they do not find the golden monkey. Keenan's boss walks in to just see mounds and piles of cereal all over the store and you know, freaks out in the classic Chris way. Uh, but while that's happening, he finds a stack of comics that belong to Kel uh, featuring Skunk Man, who we hear about more in later episodes. Um, and they are first edition scratch and sniff issues, um, which Chris exclaims are worth thousands of dollars and he can sell them to his uncle who sells comics. Keenan and Kel immediately go online and post an ad inviting sellers over to his house to sell them the car. When it comes time for Chris to pay up, he reveals that the comics are now worthless because he over-scratched and sniffed them. Um, obviously, that does not work out, but the next day at Rigby's, a random guy walks into the store, offers to sell them a car for $400, accepting half the cash up front, half the next day. They pay half, and then a cop promptly walks in to ask about the stolen car that's parked illegally outside the store. Keenan and Kale have effectively purchased a stolen car. So they work with the cops to go undercover and catch the guy when he returns to uh, you know, collect the rest of the $400. While that's happening, Keenan's, Keenan's family walks into the store, of course, and the cops reveal that Keenan purchased a stolen car, ending up with Keenan in trouble with his parents, which becomes a common happening throughout the series. And I just really like this pilot because it really sets up what we can expect from future shows. Um, just the classic formula of, um, well, like I said earlier, the harebrained schemes that do not ever work out and always end up with Keenan in trouble and explaining his classic why just it, it, it's, it's probably my, my favorite show um on nickelodeon one of my favorites of all time and just this pilot really sets up the show perfectly um and they really did not have to change too much of the, the formula moving forward because it just worked yeah, it sounds like a lot, of, a lot of stuff that they set in motion there really continued on throughout the series. Um, you know, plot-wise, writing-wise, character-wise. I mean, I'm just imagining in my head, too, even though I never... I, I don't recall seeing the pilot ever on Nickelodeon, but just going through boxes and boxes of cereal to get a prize, I can totally see Kel just throwing it all everywhere, acting up, and Keen's like, <laughs> what are you doing? 
Yeah, I can see that as well. Uh, I'm going to have to see if we can find something for this to, to post some stuff on there. But yeah, no, this yeah. is it's a perfect setup for the attitude and the atmosphere that they had for the show. Well, m- moving on, uh, my my first pick for the favorite pilots is right behind me, actually. If you can see, you know, two familiar characters from Nicktoons history, it's uh, Doug and Patty Mayonnaise. And Doug's Doug Can't Dance from 1990. Uh, I, I really love this art style. Even, I mean, I love Doug, period. But something about the, the extra roughness with the wiggly lines just really speaks mm-hmm. to me in like a charming children's storybook kind of way. Uh, basically, what happens in this episode is that Doug is getting ready for a dance that's happening later that night, and he, it's a it's like a costume themed dance. So dress up in whatever you want, and uh, you know have fun with friends from Bluffington uh, Middle School or wherever they are. And he ends up dressing up as a slug, and he's like trying to figure out, well, is, does this look good or not? I don't really know how to dance. What what can I do about it? And of course, you know, Roger's constantly there taunting and teasing him. And he ends up hanging out with Skeeter in the park to get some advice on how to dance. And we get one of the most iconic like Skeeter moments where he's like pretending how to dance, goes in the spin drive and somehow gets his head wedged between his legs in some really weird pretzel knot kind of fashion <laughs> that it, it just cracks me up every time I watch it. And um, you know, once you actually get to the dance and you see a little bit of Doug's fantasies play out in his head where he's imagining like him being like an MC Hammer type character, just totally busting a move. <laughs> and then, um, you know, later when Roger uses his hammer costume, he slips on ice and then like the flat part of his hammer head like hits Doug on the foot really hard and he just starts hopping around in pain like ow wow wow and he's afraid that people will laugh at him because you know he's making a fool out of himself but thanks to patty being the supportive lovely character that she is she joins in and they just turn it into a brand new dance and everyone does the slug hop and has a great time and of course roger's like getting all steamed up in the corner with his not minions uh that we know from the main series which are like willie ned and um boomer they're like they're like three indistinct guys, but they're all dressed as tools, which I find really tongue in cheek. <laughs> um, I, I really also love the intro and the outro, how they bookend each other with like Mr. Dink hitting his balls all at Doug's house and even the mailbox. <laughs> it's just it's just the Sorry! great. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, great great running joke, um, and it, it really makes me think of how far the series has come since this one because when we first get a glimpse of Doug's room it feels very cramped with tall ceilings and there's not really a lot of decorations around but by the end of the fourth season of Nickelodeon's Doug his room like feels really lived in and realized and there's been tons of people in there and of course we get a a few glimpses of Porkchop too so this is just one of those pilots that I love revisiting like whenever Whenever the chance I get, it's it's just a lot of fun and really sets the tone uh, for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. It's a good pick. A- anything Doug is always a good pick. Heck yeah! I I love how wholesome that show is. Like at a time when a lot of the more wholesome shows were kind of going away, I feel like Doug really stepped up and filled that uh, that that void, like right from the pilot 
Yeah, he's pretty much the Charlie Brown of the 90s. Yes. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, so for the first show that I will mention, uh, I, I have said before that as a as a preteen and a teenager, a lot of the uh, a lot of the shows that Nickelodeon had in the nineties, I had just they lost they lost their luster with me. I just wasn't that interested. But there was one show that I tuned in for all the time and was one of the last shows on Nickelodeon, especially late nineties, that I and my older brother would watch together. Uh, we hadn't watched anything together since uh, Salute Your Shorts and Double Dare in the early 90s. So mid-90s, mid, mid 90s, we just never didn't watch anything together, at least nothing Nickelodeon. The This particular show was Kablam! I loved the various cartoons in all of its various forms. I loved the humor, the zaniness, and the glue that tied the special together, or, or the, the show together, was Henry and June. And in 1999, as Brett had mentioned earlier, there was a special episode of Kablam! that was to serve as a backdoor pilot that would serve as a potential spinoff for the series, which is going to be the Henry and June show. It only aired once, and it wasn't picked up for a series. Uh, the first half of the episode was uh, it was called A Show of Their Own, in which Henry and June are in front of a live studio audience trying to do their own version of a talk show, and it goes horribly awry. And the second half was called Be True to Your School, in which Henry and June returned to school after their pilot episode, and they were expecting their classmates to fawn over them, but uh, no one was really interested, except for one really weird fan. And uh, they end up going to a different school, which was specifically for child celebrities. Uh, of all the pilots that I'm going to mention, this one is the one that made me laugh the most. Uh, like I said, I loved Kablam! This one, it had fun, chaotic energy. Uh, there was, It was fairly mean-spirited, but Kablam! always kind of had that mean-spirited uh, sense of humor. Uh, they had a lot of caricatures of celebrities in the second half, which is what got me the most laughing. And uh, some of the gags they had uh, in terms of their writing, because you see a lot of wordplay. Uh, the school that they went to was called the Obscure President's Name Middle School. Uh, I, I can't help but wonder what other adventures and straight out exploits that these two characters could have gotten into if this had panned out, but... As is for a solo adventure, it's a very fun one. It's worth a watch. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, and you can find it on Daily Motion. I never even heard about this one until you mentioned it. So, as a fellow Kablam fan, I'll definitely check this out. And and I know, know that uh, Isaiah has has got some things that he'll share about it later because I, I I saw his list. So we'll we'll save that for <laughs> we'll save that for when it comes up on your list. What is your second pick, Mister Isaiah? My second pick is a very short-lived show, unfortunately short-lived, called My Brother and Me. It only ran two seasons. There were some creative differences between producers and writers and other folks on the show. They could not reach a compromise, so the show was canceled. The pilot, um, shows the two main characters, Alfie and his younger brother, Dee Dee, as they uh, attend a carnival with their family to run a dunk tank. While they are 
there to help run that, they learned that uh, NBA star of the Seattle Supersonics, Kendall Gill, is at their favorite comic book store signing autographs. So they take off, leaving their sister and mom there to run the tank and get soaked. Um, and while they're there at the comic book store, their father walks in. So they have the smart idea of throwing on some Halloween masks like that would completely hide their identity from their father. And conveniently, a couple of their friends are there that automatically point them out to their father. Interestingly enough, their father had scheduled an interview with Kendall Gill to happen at the carnival. So they ended up having a chance to meet him anyway, even though they were already scheduled to be the ones in the dunk tank at the end of the episode it sh shows them being dunked as you know, kind of a form of punishment for leaving the rest of the family to uh to run it i just i really loved the show it was very original um just all of the characters just really had their own unique personalities um that you were really drawn to um, Alfie's best friend, appropriately named Goo, <laughs> just had one of those personalities that you loved and hated at the same time. You loved to hate him, hated to love him. Just his interactions and antagonizing of the brothers to kind of get them to do things that they know will get them in trouble really drives the show. Um, I forgot to mention him in the description of the episode, but he, he was really the one that pushed the brothers to leave the carnival, ultimately needlessly. Overall, the show was hilarious. I really wish it had lasted longer. I feel like it had a lot of potential um and i mean it still holds up pretty well and i see a lot of their clothing styles actually returning with younger folks these days as i uh, i work with teenagers and some of the things they wear i'm like i would have worn that like 25 years ago <laughs> fashion goes in cycles yeah, that, that was a good episode. We had uh, gone through our ranking of every My Brother and Me episode. We did that with Prime from Prime Nostalgia. And uh, Prime wasn't too keen on the episode, mostly because of Kendall Gill. But both Brett and I had loved that episode. And it is my absolute favorite episode of the entire season. Yeah. So It's definitely up there for me, too. Um, and for those who are keeping track at home, Slimesters, uh, it goes by a couple names. You can either find it as under the charity or the quest for Kendall Gill's autograph, depending on if you find it like online or on the, the DVD that's not out of print. So yep. uh, it's a great episode. Check it out if you can. Lot, lots of laughs. You even get to see Goo's cousin, I think, uh, called Moo, make an appearance yes. in as well, <laughs> who really adds to the comedy in a subtle way. All right, Brett, what is your second choice, my friend? My second pilot pick I love the alliteration there, <laughs> is uh, another Nicktoon from the early 90s because I love cartoons and animation. So naturally, there's going to be a few on here. 
Uh, it is Rocco's Modern Life Trash O Madness, and it's the pilot version because it got revamped later in season one. And this is from 1992 before the show got picked up. Similar to Doug, I find the roughness and animation style very charming and adapting quite nicely to the series' more refined look. Rocco and Spunky are definitely firing on all cylinders here as they narrowly avoid a neighborhood bulldog named Earl uh, when they take out the trash, while Spunky tries to nab a disgusting slime ball left in the fridge since the 1940s. <laughs> the twist in the end certainly had me in stitches with with the bath scene and I'm, I'm just grateful they jazzed it up later in season one with uh, a couple extra shots and even changing Rocco's skin tone from like uh, more of a yellowish to a, a beige tone to make him look more like a kangaroo type wallaby thing. Uh, the original pilot is only eight minutes long uh, as I mentioned because they added extra scenes and it was extended to a full 11 minute half episode. Um, even with the significant changes between the two and the ending going from just an implied um, reaction to the slime ball in the bathtub to like it actually bursting out the windows in the season one version, I still think each hold their own in their own right. And I really love this especially uh, just because it, it really it really gives you a, a strong idea of what kind of comedy and cartoon animation style Rocco is all about. It's not just like, well, it's it's not like Doug at all. It's really just more like in your face, rapid pace, modern life hitting you at 99 miles per hour. And, you know, when stuff goes south super quick, you see all those like exaggerated Tex Avery, Bugs Bunny type reactions to everything with like eyes popping out, giant jaws dropping. You know, you have um, sentient garbage trucks that have like mouths at the back of them, which used to scare me as a kid, surprisingly. But I still love watching this episode and horrific, you know, villain characters like Earl, who especially when you like punches his face through the front door going blah blah blah, blah slobbering everywhere with his sharp teeth it was like i'm i was on some sort of acid trip from the early days of mtv with their 90s bumpers and liquid television so it, it was a real trip to revisit this one and uh <laughs> i think one of the one of the favorite parts for me is um when when Rocco like confronts Earl to get Spunky back and he starts like putting up his dukes and he's like trying everything to get Spunky back because Earl has him like in his mouth in like this weird trash compacted cube attached to the rest of the trash that they collected and Earl just does the same reaction every time he's like punches him right off screen and then he comes back a little more battered bruised and with bandages uh just trying to trying to get through it and uh I, maybe maybe i never run into a, a sentient garbage truck or a bulldog from hell before but i definitely have my fair share of struggles in modern life that i could relate to with rocco in this episode yeah that's a fun one i mean they're they're all fun i say that i say that all the time on this podcast it's fun but you can't talk about nickelodeon and not mention that it's fun. <laughs> exactly you really they go hand in hand but it, I love seeing how things develop. I, I, in every single one of these pilots, you can always, it's like we had said at the beginning, it's just to lay the groundwork. That's the purpose of a pilot. So it's not going to be as refined as what you would get uh, through their main series. So I really, if anything, it's just a fascinating study to see how they started and where they ended up. And Rocco was no exception with that really jagged art that you had to refer to earlier. I, I do. I mentioned because it just popped into my head too. Is that I believe 
Joe Murray did a couple of shorts before this, before he got he did the pilot for Rocco and Nickelodeon. And um, he, he did a short called My Dog Zero, which I think had a character in it that Spunky was based off of that he later used in here. So if you get a chance to check that out on YouTube, um, it's worth a watch. It's, it's pretty interesting because you get a sense for his style there that translated into Rocco as well. And also the, um, the Rocco's Modern Life video game had the Trash of Badness level that was based off of the pilot before it was picked up because they had very little to go off of when they were That's developing right. that game. That's right. And yeah. you, had, you had mentioned that in our video game episode. Yep, episode 21. Uh, playing through 90s Nick video games, yeah. I got them all memorized in my head and cataloged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually just recently played through that, and I found it frustratingly hard. I'm yes. If I've just gotten too old, or if it's just a hard game, but I had... I had some trouble with it. Yeah, I mean, based on our ratings back in that episode, you you know why. <laughs> uh, so, Alex, what is your second pick? Well, we've said on the show that we love to talk about not only really popular shows, but we also love to talk about shows that often get overlooked or nearly completely forgotten. Mm-hmm. And my number two pick is right in that pocket of overlooked. But here lately, it's been getting a lot more attention, and oh. we've, we've had an episode uh, dedicated specifically to the entire series in our second season, which is appropriate that my number two is the Space Cases pilot, Breath of a Salesman. Uh, exactly. smell. <laughs> so, in, in short, the... Uh, instead of what we see in the main series where you see all the students together seeing the Krista and they get on board and then all the stuff that you hear about the pilot starts with them already on the Krista and uh, you can already see a lot of the Star Trek references with them opening by playing a game of chess although it's not chess but it's chess and they end up getting bombarded by a cowboy fast talking salesman who boards the Krista and just happens to have an engine that the crew needs that will generate a wormhole that they can get back home. His price, however, is he wants the Andromedan Radu. This whole episode uh, it deals with loyalty, trust, emotion, scams, and that's all common themes that you see within this episode. And you can see what they're trying to to do with introducing the entire cast in the main story. Uh, unfortunately, it rushes through everyone's backstory as quickly as possible. Uh, it does a really good job introducing their personalities, but there's so much backstory to how they got there, who everyone is, and what they can do while trying to also keep the plot of the the MacGuffin of the entire story. So it's a bit rushed, but yeah. uh, there is a lot of differences between the pilot for the series, between the pilot and the series, but most of it is cosmetics. Uh, the set, the costumes, even the makeup and the prosthetics are different. Uh, probably the one character who looks completely different more than the main series is Thelma. Uh, the actress who plays uh, T.J. Davenport on the main series, Carrie Lawrence, is a different actress in the pilot. Uh, it was portrayed by Tamsin Kelsey. Uh, I do have to say, I really preferred Jules slash Catalina's wig, wig 
better in the pilot than that bowl cut one that she has in the yeah. main series. Hers was much more flowy here, and it seemed it, to fit her personality better. It was. But uh, I feel like the show, or the, or the pilot, really does capture the spirit of the show very, very well. And it really gave a promise for what the series could have, and in many ways did achieve with this very, very short time run. So it's a solid pilot. You can also find that on... <laughs> Any one of them. Uh, YouTube, <laughs> DailyMotionArchive.com. It's probably more well-documented than the main show itself. Yeah, it, it's interesting. And I almost put this on my list, um, but unfortunately I didn't make it. I I, I, like, I just like seeing the bare-bones version of shows before they get fully fleshed out. And there's not a clear case of that than the Krista itself. I think it's literally just a skeleton in this, at least from what I've seen. Yeah, very <laughs> um, much so. Yeah, I, I was surprised with a lot of the different looks too that all the all the kids had. Um, I think Radu's hairstyle was different. I think his ears were pointier instead of yep. spiraled. Yep. Um, Harland, from what I remember, looked mostly the same. Yeah, just just the just the costume, yeah. the uniform was a little different. But yeah, Rosie looked pretty different. I don't remember what she had on her head, but I it was striking to me. And same with Bova, uh, with his like wishbone antenna. I think he had actual antenna for that. Yeah, he did. Uh, Rosie, her makeup was pretty much the same, but she had a little hat, and it went to a point. It was almost like a, mm. a, a, a cone that went back a bit. Yeah. And um, TJ uh, Davenport was completely different personality and look. I mean, it was a different actress. and right. um, More like a stuck-up school teacher from the 50s that you'd expect. And uh, Commander Goddard actually had a five o'clock shadow, which you know, yeah, he, he, he was he, very clean shaven and had little gray streaks on the main series. Yeah, much more scruffier and uh, war torn in this one, you could say. Yes. I, I actually really liked uh, Thelma's outfit in this. For some reason, it reminded me of either Fritz Lang's Metropolis or, um, crap, I forgot her name, but it's like in Power Rangers Zeo, there's, there's like the Machine King and then his wife, the Queen. Kind of reminds me of the Queen character um, from there because of like the gold medal and the the curves that are interplayed uh, for the armor and the outfit. I find I found it really interesting and like when when she was interacting with the salesman uh, cowboys like uh, android robot, they would both like turn tune their frequencies with their weird headsets to like I don't know interface with each other. I thought that was a like an interesting character quirk that didn't really translate uh, into the main series. So Isaiah, what is your third pick for favorite pilot episodes? So I was actually going to pick Wienerville, but I couldn't really figure out which episode was the pilot. <laughs> oh, interesting. So I, I know it's not the first episode that aired, um, and I just, I cycled through some of the episodes I have access to. I just wasn't really sure which one was the actual pilot. When uh, in doubt, go with the first one, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, the consensus I found online was the episode um, Mark's Mother Visits. Um, I mean, it did not have the Wienerizer, so that like makes me feel like it was you know, at least in earlier episode but it you know starts off in exactly how you know we expect it to with all the wienerized folks you know yelling and screaming and playing music and uh mm -hmm. 
it starts off by Mark announcing that his mom will come to visit and everyone in Wienerville freaking out, wanting to leave town because none of them like it. Dottie decides to take a vacation and then pretty quickly cuts into a, a cartoon and we don't really hear about Mark's mom again until the end of the episode where she shows up. We just hear her voice and she gives Mark a huge smooch backstage. But uh, we see some of Mark's classic prop comedy, which is always great. And we see two kids get wienerized and they play a game called Toys Ahoy. And when the coveted silver and golden hot dogs um, and for some reason those have just like always stuck in my head as like like top tier prizes just mm-hmm. uh, a giant hot dog and uh, <laughs> just like really speaks to the saniness of the show that just really drew me in a lot like what happened after I saw the first episode of Rocco's Modern Life? Just it, it's just wild and nonsensical, and I just was really drawn to it. Mark Weiner is a genius uh, in his, you know, voice acting, his writing, his prop comedy. Just I believe he was ahead of his time and just even 30 years later I I watch him and I'm just like this still is just hilarious uh, there's just no one else like him out there and Wienerville is one of the most unique shows I've ever seen yeah he's a man that wears many hats and um... he's a man that wears many puppets Yes, that too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very impressive he's able to do all of that on his show with his production team filming everything. Um, Alex, do you remember anything about early Wienerville episodes, if they had any difference to them? Because I've been looking at um, Isaiah's backgrounds, that Wienerville sign that he has for all of our Slimesters who are listening on podcast only. And it looks like it could have been from the pilot because I, I don't remember seeing that iteration of sign anywhere before. I I don't recall. I don't really recall seeing a pilot either, at least not one where you get the groundwork laid. The closest thing that I guess we could have, and uh, I had confirmed this with Manny because Manny's a a huge uh, Wienerville fan, which um, if you've seen our Wienerville Hanukkah special, you are already well aware, and I know that Isaiah is aware of this as well. But um, even in our interview, Mark Wiener had made mention that he made a pilot that was called That's Not Fair, which was Mm -hmm. over on Comedy Central. So in a way, that was the pilot, but that also wasn't Wienerville. Uh, So that was was its own show. Uh, But they took the premise of what he started there and then reworked it and then came up with this. So I think Isaiah's uh, theory is very, very sound, and I would agree that that sounds like that would be the unofficial pilot for Wienerville uh, because I don't think anyone else has really mentioned or any history that there was such a thing. Uh, we can always go to Mark and ask him uh, because we will be doing a Wienerville spe- uh, episode with him at some point again. Couple. Because, 
after after having the Hanukkah special, we're having him again. Yeah, and, uh, yeah it's too fun. And we can ask him there. But uh, I don't recall seeing any footage or pictures or anything that shows any physical difference between the two. Yeah. It seems like they just had the set set up for season one and hit the ground running. So um, I, I'd be curious to hear for future episodes we cover with him if there's like any differences even with just production schedule or writing wise for uh, concepts well if it's anything like what he had told us so much in the Hanukkah special he's probably got everything downstairs in the living room so <laughs> we found the buttons uh, a couple weeks ago the, the what is it um... oh like the space pins that they wear no, the one where he's no, the ones that party and the yeah, other one. Right, that... right, right. Oh yeah, we have that. Oh, oh, cool. Oh yeah, and they're like dancing to Gloria Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and we gag. have that downstairs. Yeah, yeah, we gotta raid uh, Mark's stash to see what kind of <laughs> hidden treasures from Nickelodeon he has there. Oh God, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, we, let's take a field trip. We'll go to your house. <laughs> yeah, the props and. The backgrounds is just immense. Like he did a lot of work. Yeah. If if I had a personal soundstage or like a storage unit to myself, I would set up the Wienerville set there and just run around <laughs> it, pretending like I lived in that town, just talking to all the puppets. It's, it seems like a real fun place to be. And from the looks of the audience reactions, they had a lot of fun watching it too. Similar to like how uh, Figure It Out's audience was very interactive with the people on stage right. as well. Um. So moving on with my third pick uh, for favorite pilot episodes, this is, this is an interesting one. But when I, as soon as I revisit it, I'm like, whoa! I can't believe I remember watching that on TV back when it first came out. Uh, this is the All That pilot featuring TLC as the musical guest, and this was in 1994. And it is a little bit different than the season one, episode two, episode where they're also musical guests because um, on the season one they they performed the song Creep. And then in this one, they they performed the song "What About Your Friends," and they had they had slightly different outfits for that. Um, what can I say about the, all that pilot? I mean, first of all, great great soundtrack. Um, we actually get the CTLC like acting all goofy and from the couch, and a slightly different intro of like all the cast members with the little all that logo and their name. Uh, so it was interesting to see. And then we also had like these weird. TV framed bumpers, kind of like Sam reacts, oddly enough, with celebrities saying random quotes. I, I don't know what that was all about. I guess it was just acting as a transition. But I really loved the sketches. And you knew from the get go, even just watching this, that it was going to be uh, a main staple of 90s Nickelodeon TV with what they had to offer in terms of variety uh, sketches. Some of, the, some of the sketches that come to mind are the Bag and Sag and Barry uh, sketch with, you know, them being on scouts and him pulling all the stuff that he needs out of his pants. That never gets old for me because, you know, it's all in the pants. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's also the recurring Annie sketch that I remember. I laughed out loud at my TV when it happened because it, it seems so innocent and plain compared to everything else we've seen and then all of a sudden something random would happen like a bunch of cia agents would just pick her up and take her away while she was <laughs> trying to sing the sun the sun will come out tomorrow or like she just explodes next to that giant teddy bear i, I find something about the repetitiveness of that super quick sketch really amusing 
there was also the the global one <laughs> which <laughs> i'm sure you have some things to say about that alex because uh, it features a, a character that is now as loathed as john k in nickelodeon history mm. but um i i find the concept of like uh like an investigation that's set in like a B horror movie from 1950s, uh, based on this weird substance in the refrigerator, really fascinating, and it really hits that tone with um, some some of those like cheesy horror movies that they often show on Angry Beaver episodes. Uh, to finish off, I really also enjoyed the the leapfroggy frog segment with Keenan Thompson as the frog. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was pretty much like a MTV interview there with Elisa Ray's uh, with her microphone. And then at random times, his, his like lily pad gang uh, would just jump in and be accenting with, with some, um, you know, quick jingles and then leave, which was TLC go figure. And they did this after their musical performance, which I found strange, but fascinating as well, because we don't normally see that in the main season. Usually they end with the musical performance and close it out. So if you, if you really love all that's comedy, especially the earlier seasons, this is worth revisiting. Uh, I also do want to mention before I forget the, the stage looks a lot different compared to season one, where it's more of like a painted garage style and less like, signs and graffiti on the wall that we see in the first couple seasons um so if you if you like seeing easter eggs and differences like that you can check that out and also the the opening shoe sketch was a lot of fun too with like everyone trying to one-up each other with all these appliances added to their shoes and i think even katrina had like a jetpack on hers or something and just made them fly off the screen um (laughs) lastly sorry i i keep there's just so much pouring out of my head with this one because it was jam-packed. The bouncy, the bouncer sketch with Phil Moore and Katrina bouncing Phil Moore out of the club or whatever he was trying to get into. That was that was awesome. I love seeing Phil Moore on other 90s Nick TV shows. <laughs> and a lot of those tags that you saw in the first two seasons, whenever they would say, uh, coming up is musical guest TLC, and you'll see like uh, Lori Beth Denberg and Kelf fighting or whoever it was fighting over the giant ear of corn in front of a giant garage door it was this set and it was for this pilot that they did a lot of those little bumpers yeah yeah good note uh so alex what is your number three pick or a third pick i should say all right well my third pick i've i've got a lot to say about it Okay. Uh, so I hope you're I hope you're strapped in because this is this is going to be a big one. Hold that thought, Alex, before you open a can of worms on the Nick execs, because we're going to uh. take a we're going to take a commercial break and uh, re-energize ourselves to hear this very long pitch of a show. So we'll be back to Sly Attack right after this. We'll be right back after these messages. Ah, Valentine's Day, a time to celebrate. <laughs> So don't miss Pete and Pete in their half-hour Valentine adventure Sunday on Nick. On your mark. Get set. Go! All right, go! Game shows were some of the best entertainment that Nickelodeon had to offer. The games would range from simple harmless fun to trivia-based to downright intense. Together, Brett and I discuss our top five favorite Nickelodeon game shows, and you will only find it on Patreon. This season we are doubling down, so you will get a full season for free here on YouTube and podcast apps, but you will also get a full season of exclusive episodes on Patreon. So head to the starting line and subscribe at patreon.com slash splatattack. 
And as always, please click that like button, subscribe, and or leave us a review so other game show loving slimesters can continue to find us. Let the games begin. And now, back to the show. Okay, and we're back from our break. So, I didn't mean to cut off Alex there before, but now that I have a little more energy to actively listen to his <laughs> his novella of uh, episode that he's trying to pitch to Nickelodeon, what do you have to say, Alex? Well, first of all, uh, this is one of, if not the only pilot mentioned uh, that did not start off at Nickelodeon. Uh, this sh- show was originally an ABC pilot. Hmm. Uh, it, it aired on 7 o'clock on a Sunday night with the intent of this being one of those shows for families, uh, probably to offset when America's Funniest Home Videos wasn't playing on, on Sunday nights. So it can be argued that this is not a Nickelodeon show, but I have quite a bit uh, to to say in to negate this because after it aired on ABC and ABC had passed on it, they aired it on Nickelodeon. So there's one thing, but there's quite a few more. There's quite a bit more. So the the ties that they have to the pilot is first one of the actors is Christian Tessier, who mm. is from Are You Afraid of the Dark and Tomorrow People fame. Second. There's a lot of talent behind the camera who worked on other Nickelodeon properties. So f- follow this. Uh, I'm, I know I'm going to butcher this last name, so please forgive me. But uh, Rosanna Lopopolo, I think it's how you pronounce her name. Okay. She was a pro- she was a producer who also produced Tomorrow People and Finders Keepers. Hmm. Head writer Jay Martell also was the head writer for Welcome Freshman and Kablam. The consultant Roger Price also worked on Tomorrow People, You Can't Do That on Television, and producer Jeffrey Darby was also producer for Double Dare, Clarissa Explains It All, Hey Dude, Nick Arcade, and other classic 90s Nickelodeon mm-hmm. shows. So with all this 90s Nick talent behind the camera, you can see why this is still considered to be a 90s Nickelodeon pilot. Uh, with the success of You Can't Do That on Television, this crew was trying to capitalize on a TV genre for kids that hadn't really been fully utilized yet at this time, the sketch comedy. Roundhouse and all that weren't made at this time. This came out in 1991. Welcome Freshman had just gotten started. It is a fair assessment to say that Roundhouse was kind of like the in-living color for kids and all that was SNL for kids. You can't do that on television. It was kind of a mad TV for kids. But after seeing this pilot, which was called Real Mature, I think this has more SNL ties than all that mm. does. Uh, first of all, they had a celebrity guest host, and for the pilot was Candace Cameron from Full House, uh, who also uh, made a guest appearance on Double Dare twice. Uh, they had an opening monologue, comedy sketches, fake commercials. The only thing they didn't really have was musical guests like all that did but its format was very very much like SNL uh, the sketches that they had was uh, there was one that featured a brother and sister going to the mall and they were shopping for newer cooler parents because their <laughs> theirs were lame uh, the, probably the lamest sketch was there was a little girl who came face to face with the tooth fairy because she didn't believe in the tooth fairy and uh, he's like oh you believe in Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny why not me and gets all upset uh, there was the pedestrian family 
and by that I mean you know those yellow triangles where you have the black stick figure outline uh, mm-hmm. like crossing the fi- crossing the the road <laughs> that as a family and the uh, the father was upset because his son is not following in his footsteps <laughs> literally uh, there was <laughs> another sketch where a mom and a dad are struggling to connect with their children so they interact through the telephone while also still in the same room with them and then later they wear cardboard boxes on their heads in the shape of television just to keep the kids attention you know a la roundhouse which was some of the things that they did uh the the fake commercial that they did was about an album of classic children's excuses uh complete with classic parent cliches And the final tie into this being a 90s Nickelodeon pilot, there is one more skit that ties this uh, together, and that is Pete and Pete. Now here's our one-minute adventure of Pete and Pete. This series did have a one-minute short, which was Mom's Plate in this episode. Oh, wow. Uh, Both of the shorts on Nickelodeon and the shorts they used in Real, Real Mature were on in the same year. So it's it's impossible to tear, tell where exactly it aired first, if it was on Nickelodeon first or if it was on Mom's or, or if it was on uh, ABC first, because both the shorts were running at the same time. Hmm. So I, I don't know where, but I do think it came on Nickelodeon first because there was uh, Mom's Plate was not the pilot short that they used. Yeah. But it was the one that they put in in this special, and uh, Will McRobb was also credited as one of the writers. I, I do find it interesting that ABC used this sketch, uh, or 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 the short, and uh, the, the reason that ABC passed on it was because they didn't know how to market it, uh, which is tailor made for '90s Nickelodeon. Uh, and I think the reason Nickelodeon passed on it was because at that time they were just getting started with Welcome Freshman. I do think that the writing for this was very, very much on par with what all that did in their pilot episode. Uh, the production was really, really high. Uh, it, but of course, that that this is national television. You've got ABC budget as opposed to Nickelodeon budget. Mm. And uh, the camaraderie was really good. The writing was fun. It, it was a fun, overall very, very good comedy sketch show that I would have loved to have seen more of. Because could you imagine a world where real mature was the big heavy hitter for Nickelodeon instead of all that? That, that would have been yeah. a, a very, very different alternate universe. But if you <laughs> want to check that out for yourself, you can find that on Jeffrey Darby's official YouTube page, which is very, very small. He's only got a few things on there, but it's been on there for a few years. Go check it out for yourself. Oh, I definitely going. I'm going after this episode because now you've piqued my interest considering <laughs> just how many Nick, uh, Nickelodeon people are involved with it. Like it seems like the pilot to end all pilots just because of all the involvement going on here. Like really, as the rocket fuel to jet them into uh, the golden age, <laughs> everything is just popular yeah that's not something i've really checked out or looked too far into so as soon as we're done here i am going to dive right into that (laughs) yeah yeah. and if you if you slimesters want to check it out again there will be a link below we'll probably put a link below to uh, most of these pilots if they're available so that way you can check them out for yourself definitely 
Uh, so <laughs> I know you guys had three picks, but I cheated a little bit because I had a hard time whittling my list down considering I looked at 30 pilots and then I narrowed it down to seven. So I'm going to I'm going to do something totally different and actually bring back the Nick Newsreel segment just because we mentioned we didn't use it too much. So now's the perfect time to use it. And now it's time for a Nick Newsreel. So for our Nick Newsreel segment, you probably wonder why, why are we mentioning it here? Well, uh, apparently when I was doing the notes for this episode, uh, there was a breaking development. Uh, what was thought to be previously lost forever to the sands of time has recently resurfaced by one of the actors who has actually been on this. The Salute Your Shorts pilot, Welcome to Bunk 13 from 1990, is now on YouTube, thanks to, uh, I believe his YouTuber name is Ian Giotti. Uh, he's got a small channel, and he just has the pilot and maybe one more video, but he has both parts of it, and man, was it a blast to actually see it instead of just hear the legends that it existed, because before then, we just had Michael Comes to Camp. And what I find interesting about this is that it does have a lot of elements of the first Salute Your Shorts episode from season one, Michael Comes to Camp, but it's just done in a different way where we see this version of Michael um, seeing an advertisement for Camp Anawana on TV, not wanting to go to camp. And then he shows up with like someone who's like the sponge that we know from the main series. And then he's, he goes through all these like different activities. He doesn't like being there. And of course, Donkey Lips and Budnick are picking on him because they don't like him and they have to put him through a gauntlet of like stealing Telly's glasses uh, to prove that he, he's cool enough to them in their bunk. So we, we actually see a lot of retreads of the Michael comes to camp jokes and gags um, played here, but just a little bit on the rougher side, like testing the waters out. And the most noble thing you'll you'll notice for this is that practically everyone except for Kirk Bailey, Michael Bauer, and Danny Cooksey are totally different characters. Uh, Telly's different, Dina's different, Zizi's different, Sponge is different, although he looks a lot like uh, Trevor Eister. Uh, and also Macaulay Culkin from The Page Master with those big goggles and the, and the blonde bowl haircut, which I found amusing. Uh, but if you're a Salute Your Shorts fan, you definitely have to check it out. It's over on his YouTube page, and we'll show some footage here, too, so you get a little taste of it. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. I saw that it had come out. Uh, Carl, who was on our uh, one of our previous episodes, he had actually put, a, put up uh, an Instagram post about it. I still want to watch it, and I will, by the time you Slimesters are listening to this and watching this, I will have seen it because I will be incorporating it into the episode. Isaiah, did you get to check that episode out? Unfortunately, I have not had a chance to. Um, and once again, hearing about that, I am excited to go check that out. Well, we won't belabor things long because I know we're eager to check out each other's pilots. Like it's a, it's a game of <laughs> I show you yours, you show me mine at recess. <laughs> but uh, let, let's just blow through our honorable mentions and dishonorable mentions real quick. And then we'll uh, wrap things up with another segment. So uh, starting off, Isaiah, what is your honorable mention? I chose the Fairly Odd Parents. Um, it started off as a short on Oh Yeah Cartoons, um, which we also saw um, Chalk Zone and uh, My Life as a, a Teenage Robot start. Um, I love the pilot because the 
animation is pretty campy. Um, it's kind of reminds me of like the like early episodes of like the Simpsons, just kind of like odd crude drawings. <clears throat> and it, I just really like that. Cool. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. It, it was one that I had to unfortunately omit from my list. But I really do enjoy that more rougher hand-drawn animated style compared to the, the cleaner um, version of the series of Fairly Odd Parents. And it, it's nice how they, they kind of lay the origin story out of how Timmy met the Fairly Odd Parents because now we can just get into like all the fun wishes and plots that are involved with that in the later episodes. But they also incorporated bits of it into the, the show intro once it got picked up for a series. So it's it's nice that they've made that connection and not forget about their roots when they did that so uh moving on i have two honorable mentions but i'm just going to blow through them real quick because we're uh, getting tight on time uh the first one is angry beavers snowbound from 1994 and while i didn't really care for this version of norbert he just seemed off and toned down compared to the one of the main series uh at least the zany comedy still here along with daggett's you know design and his quirks too um, I, I felt some of the things could be tweaked, like like the intro, the, the music fell flat for me, but the art style is still consistent here, and it's still got some of the cheesiness with the horror movies even in here, and one-upping each other with like something so insignificant that just gets blown out of proportion. Um, I'm not really sure why Nicktoons held off for three years with this one, because I think it would have fit in with Avril Monsters at the time uh, when that became a series. But nonetheless, it's it's still at home with Nicktoons uh, on Nickelodeon. The second one we we briefly I, I don't think I don't know if we mentioned or not during episode nine of Nick's Thanksgiving Fest when we interviewed Joey Album, but he did a pilot for Nicktoons uh, in 1990 called Thunder Lizards, and that was basically in like the Nickelodeon bumper style animation we all know and love with like the doo-wop dinosaurs. And it's like three, three dinosaur-like characters who are in a band and they have to perform on stage and they, they basically have to look for their instruments and come up with a song so that they can perform. It's, it's not anything to write home about, to be honest. I just like it for the art style more than anything else. And it, it is a bit on the short side. It's about like a six-minute pilot versus like, you know, 11-minute standard half cartoon. But I, I enjoy visiting it from time to time and some of the characters hold my attention. Uh, and it's nice to think that he used this to lead him into other projects like with his work on Sesame Street and even the What a Cartoon Show Zunatics cartoon that he pitched there as well. Alex, what's your honorable mentions? So my, I only have one, and it is Binya Binya. Uh, no, not Gullah Gullah Island. Uh, for those of you who do not know, Binya Binya was a spinoff series of Gullah Gullah Island. I don't think there was an official pilot for the series that we know of. Um, so I consider, much like we had mentioned earlier, the first episode to really be the initial pilot. Uh, it's a fairly straightforward fair, at least, you know, it's it's a preschool kids show. Uh, Benny Vinya listens to and acts out the story of Three Little Pigs. Uh, you've got new characters, uh, Miss Lady, Possum, Big, Big, Big Baby, uh, <laughs> Chichi Laquita, uh, Swimpy, and of course you've got Ron and Natalie from Gullah Gullah Island as well. There was only about 8 to 13 episodes that they filmed. That's still up for debate for how many. But uh, 
only five of them aired and it was on Nick Jr. in February and honestly you, you can see why Binya Binya has, has <clears throat> Binya Binya has gone from being the supporting character to the starring role and it's not as fun I don't really recall Binya Binya talking very much in Gullah Gullah Island um, I just remember the little short phrase things and now here he is doing full on sentences and carrying on conversations and it's not as fun and a lot of the there's none of the kids they're all gone even Ron and Natalie aren't in it very much it's mostly all these new characters and they look cool they're fun designs but there's far less for the kids to connect with and having to listen to this constantly oh, no. it's, it's really really annoying really really fast yeah. mm-hmm. do you want to be a duck pony uh, a duck what a duck pony you know quack 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 uh so it, but if anything if you're a, fr- a fan of Gullah Gullah Island it's worth at least checking it out because there's it's an interesting exercise and experimentation for Nickelodeon. Uh, and I think the only place you can find it is on archive.org. Sounds good. Well, let's move on to our dishonorable mentions because there's a couple of pilots we did not enjoy when we reviewed them. So I chose the Henry and June show. Um, <laughs> obviously one of the top picks earlier. And for the specific reason that the entire time I was just waiting for them to segue into Stiz <laughs> and Fondue Action League Now, Prometheus mm. and Bob, like with Luffy, like I just came to really love the glam formula and just that whole time I was like, all right, let's go. And, uh, it, and you didn't get it. <laughs> it's not awful. I just, for some reason, I just wanted the, the segues into the. Uh, the cartoon shorts and i see you have another dishonorable mention too what's that uh that was uh 100 deeds <laughs> for eddie mcdowd and i'll keep this short i just thought it was over the top just uh mm-hmm. you know high school tough guy uh he targets the new kid and then for some reason he's throwing rocks in an alley, starts throwing rocks at a dog. The dog hops into a car, throws a rock at the car, the car explodes. And then uh, (laughs) uh, voice actor Richard Ball just kind of like emerges from the flames holding the dog unharmed and of course turns Eddie into a dog which then gets adopted by the kid he targeted it's the show just uh, I enjoyed the show overall just the pilot they crammed way too much into you know a short amount of time and just did not really try very hard to make it like a concrete concept sounds like it was overly ambitious and suffered with the execution which I can see why it turned a lot of 90s Nick fans off uh, from the get go my dishonorable mentions i'll keep this brief um this might anger or surprise some people in the audience sorry slimesters but i am entitled to my own opinion uh (laughs) this is uh i'm just uh the first yeah i'm getting flustered trying to figure out how to say this break the news to all you uh my first dishonorable mention is rugrats tommy's pickles and the great white thing from 1990 and as an animation aficionado i have a couple of gripes with this mainly 
the first one is that Rugrats is known to have kind of a more rougher animation style, especially in the first season, which I don't mind too much. It could be a little bit on the dark side compared to season two and season three, which are like where they really hit their stride. But for this, it's like, it's, it's like an acid trip for me. It's just way too like, woo, woo, come on, Tommy. We got to pick you up out of the, the, the crib and put you over here. It's just like, oh, it, it's too much like stretchy force perspective. And uh, I really don't like how uh, E.G. Daly isn't around to voice Tommy. The voice just feels really off to me and how the parents are arguing with grandpa over the credits. It's, it was just not a fun time with me. Honestly, I prefer the clip that they took at the end for the Nickelodeon bumper where like Tommy's dancing after he turns the channel. Just give me that, I like that. The rest of it, not so much. I don't need to see Tommy poke his head in a toilet. Uh, the other one is Red and Stimpy's Big House Blues. Also, people might say boo, but I don't care. Uh, it, <laughs> it wasn't as enjoyable as I remember it. Um, as a kid, the intro actually used to scare me because I watch a lot of Nicktoons late at night, especially on Snick in a dark room. And when I heard that that like theme song music toned down with like the dark imagery, I'm like, what's happening? Am I going to jail or ah? I, I didn't know what to feel or process, but um, the story felt very erratic to me, like very disjointed when I was watching it. Uh, I did like the narrator, but he, his delivery seemed to fall flat. The animation style was okay in some parts, again, inconsistent. Uh, it's it's really like a piecemeal Frankenstein kind of pilot and it shows here. Plus the the uncut version had a couple scenes in it that were kind of unsettling with, with Ren and washing his mouth in a toilet. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so I, I feel like this is not aged well, or I'm I'm very surprised that Ren Stippy got picked up because of this pilot and didn't go with like the big shot, which is the first episode. Alex, what's your dishonorable mention? Uh, so I, I have a lot to say. No, I don't. Uh, my dishonorable mention is SpongeBob's Help Wanted. It'll be very, it'll be very brief. Did I watch it? No, I did not watch it. Will I watch it? No, I won't. Why is it on my dishonorable list? Because the pilot, the show exists. Yeah. So it's on my dishonorable mention. There you go. All done. Cool. I mean, I I like early SpongeBob. I remember watching that when it first came out. It was fun, but yeah, we we've already established our opinions oh, yeah. on SpongeBob. Yeah, all you slamsters know my opinion on SpongeBob. Okay, well that was that was a rousing round of uh, pilot pitches at Nickelodeon Studios, and there's there's a lot to choose from, which I really appreciate, and some I never even heard of before. While the Nickelodeon executives look over them, let's play a segment called Retro Replay, which we haven't done in a while, to see uh, what we can find in some of these pilot clips. Retro Replay! So for Retro Replay, we, uh, we're going to be looking at some hand-picked pilots to see if we can predict what will happen next or if we can spot an Easter egg somewhere on screen. You get two points for each correct answer and one point for each correct bonus answer. And Alex, keep score if you can, please. Got you. So the first one is Trash O' Madness. I'm going to queue that up and share my screen. She's dog. We shake him, aren't we, Spunky? Spunky? Oh. Spunky! 
garbage day is a very dangerous day. Okay, so for that clip, uh, what do you guys think? Here's the question. What happens when Spunky is dangled over the garbage truck with Rocco's fishing pole? Oh, uh, I mean, he gets, uh, well, attempted to be swallowed by the garbage truck. Luckily, that just does not pan out. <laughs> yep. I mean, you got half of it. Um, the other half is that Earl is seen swallowing it when Rocco reels him up. So I'll give you one point for that. I know it was a little tricky. Um, and here's the bonus question that's associated with it. Bonus is what shape is Spunky when he's attached to the fishing pole? Uh, he was a cube. Yep. Okay. So Isaiah and Alex both have one. Clip two. meal a day, a roof over your head. What do you think, boys? Yes, good shelter. Yep, nothing can go wrong here. Take it from Okay, so for that Ren and Stimpy Big House Blues clip, tell me, how many dogs were parting with Ren and Stimpy at the dog pound in the long shot? I think it was six if you don't include Ren. Nope. I, I I was gonna say it's five and one goat that keeps popping its head in. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Ah! Very 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 close. It was seven dogs plus one ah. cat Stimpy and one goat. Yes, I'm glad you noticed the goat. I'm like that's so <laughs> random at a dog pound. <laughs> so no one got that one, but you can redeem yourself with the bonus question. What is the name of the dog that gets taken away by the dog catcher? Oh, uh, Ren. Was nope. that it? Nope. No, it was it's, it was the one that gets the yeah. three square mules a day. It was yep. that one, but yep. Oh. Time's up. It is Phil. Ah. Yeah, he mentioned it just before his neck gets yanked out. So here is our next one, which is from Doug's Doug Can't Dance. Good. Now try moving your feet. That was a short one, so hopefully you were paying attention. Um, list all the food-based costume kids are wearing during the dance that Doug is at. I caught three. Not sure if that was all of them, but there was a carrot, a, either a, a donut or a bagel, and then a hot dog. I'll give it to you because you're really close. Um, it's, it is three people in the background. It was a carrot, a hot dog, and a donut. And uh, I always find it interesting that this donut girl's dancing around like this, and she has no torso in the middle. You can see right <laughs> through her. How, how does she fit into that costume? Is she like, I don't know. What are the colors on the Quailman knockoff costume that the person in the background is wearing? I didn't catch that. No, either. It was maroon and gold. So no one got that, but uh, Isaiah got two points for the regular question. Okay, the next clip is from the Angry Beagers pilot, simply known as Snowbound. Norbert, we've played every game in the house! Games forward and backward, we've played games. Well, no more playing games for me. I gotta find a way out of here. Hmm. Oh, snow and ice, big surprise. Hey, any of you guys got a nice pick on you? We've got a snowed-in beaver here! 
I'm a big boy now, Bunny. The TV! It's back! I love these crummy horror movies. Little Bunny, take you to my cave. Ready to lose another game? Okay, so for this one, what are the angry beavers watching on TV when we first enter their dam? Oh, as he just said, I'm not sure if there is a specific title mentioned, but he said, I believe, a crummy horror movie. That is correct. Two points for you, Isaiah. And now for the bonus one, what is the name of the the green board game kicked at the screen? The only thing I got was like, got him. But that's about all I remember seeing. Well, Alex got half of it, so I'll give you half a point for that. <laughs> it's called Gotham Gator Game. So the next one is going to be the All That Pilot. It confirms my test. What is it? It's Glorp. What? That's right. Gooey, leftover, refrigerator, pus. Better known as Glorp. simple. You see, the diethyl chloride crystals in the thermostatic fluid of today's refrigerators metamorphosizes the free radicals in any food left over for seven consecutive days. In other words, if you don't eat it, it eats you. The Glorp ain't my daddy? No, not all of him. Probably just his brain. <laughs> I found the trail. Come on. <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what does Glorp stand for? That was gooey leftover refrigerator pus. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. Yeah. Points for Alex. And can any of you answer what color is Glorp? That was purple. You got it, Isaiah. One point for you. So, what's the final score, Alex? Final score is I have three and a half points and Isaiah has six. Awesome. Congratulations, Isaiah. <laughs> Always happy to see our guests win a, a game of our uh, trivia segments. So let me just pop this VHS tape out from our uh, retro replay. And I'm just going to list some quick pilots from Nickelodeon that you should also check out that we have not really talked about today. First, there's the Ariel Real Monsters, Monsters Get Real pilot version from 1994, uh, but that has not surfaced uh, since it was first made, so you're pretty much better off watching the Switching Hour and Monsters Get Real season version for that experience. There's also Are You Afraid of the Darks, The Tale of the Twisted Claw from 1991, which I've only found a snippet of the Midnight Society segment where uh, Ross Hull, who normally plays Gary, was playing David along with a couple other different characters there. Uh, I'm assuming the rest of the episode is the same as the season one tale, so you can kind of piece them together if you want to check that out. There's also the Adventures of Pete and Pete Valentine's Day Massacre pilot version from 1991. And while it's mostly di uh, the same with the season one DVD uh, that was released in 2005, there's a few differences. Uh, a couple of scenes are tweaked and also the end credits are much different with some different music laid out throughout the episode. There's also the Nick Arcade pilot, which we mentioned during episode 13X on our podcast. 
uh, which has a very different feel. It looks a lot more like Get the Picture and less like Nick Arcade. So if you can find that on Daily Motion or wherever, it's it's worth watching for, you know, something that's intriguing and see how it started. Uh, there's also SpongeBob's Help Wanted, which if you're like Alex, you don't want to see it, but if you're like me, you will. Uh, very different coloring, very different style, and SpongeBob is a lot less annoying in this because he hasn't even started his job at the Krusty Krab yet. Uh, there's also Cat Dog's Dog Gone, where Dog leaves, and Cat has to figure out what to do with himself in the meantime. I vaguely remember this one, it's from 1998, but if you do have a chance to see it, uh, there is a seasoned version of that in the series. Uh, we talked about the Fairly Odd Parents pilot, which Isaiah mentioned. It's great, worth a watch. Uh, the Wild Thornberries pilot, which doesn't have a name, also came out in 1998. I don't know much about it. It looks slightly rougher than the final style. Uh, it's worth looking at if you can find it. And then last but not least, we have Rocket Power's Rocket Beach, also from 1998. So a lot of pilots came out in the beginning and the end of the 90s. Um, so hopefully with our lists and those mentions, there's something for everyone here that you can enjoy and kind of see the origin story of all these favorite hits that we all know and love on Nickelodeon today. So with our closing question for this episode, which pilot do you want us to do an episode review of more than anything? Is it one that we mentioned or perhaps one that you haven't heard of yet? Let, write to us via email at splatattack2021 at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at splatattackpodcast or even subscribe to our YouTube channel at splatattackpodcast. You know, basically interact with us however you feel best over on social media and we'll interact with you as well. I do want to mention really quick for our list that we totally forgot about the Hey Arnold pilot. That is a fan favorite for sure. It's based off of, well, the 24 Hours to Live episode in season one is based off of that. So definitely check that out. It got omitted from my list due to time. Uh, thank you, Isaiah, for joining us today. It was a blast to talk with you about this uh, niche 90s Nick subject, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we go? A uh, shameless plug for my Instagram, that Retrozord. You can see why I'm not much of a talker, but more of a collector. And also, I just always have to remind and encourage people to check out the store on weederville.com lots of great stuff there that lots of people overlook check it out you'll be surprised and a big thank you again Isaiah I know uh, you slime shares aren't aware but this is Isaiah's first podcast and he was a bit nervous uh, but either way we're very glad that you came out and took the time and braved your nerves so thank you for coming out man now you're a seasoned professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Slimesters. Tune in next time when we are overcome by lovesickness during our latest visit to Wellsville. You guessed it. It's our third Pete and Pete episode battle, rounding out our trilogy of Pete with Valentine's Massacre going toe-to-toe with Crisis in the Love Zone. Who's more madly in love and who's spewing from one too many open-faced sandwiches? You don't want to miss this exciting head-to-head -head battle only on Splat Attack. Until then, Alex, will you drain the slime tank for us, please? I gotta finish animating this new pilot that I want to pitch to Nickelodeon. Aye, aye, co-captain. Best of luck to you, and don't forget your pitch bible to dazzle the network executives. Did I mention that my idea for an epic quest featuring characters is in the style of Doug? Uh, you, you might have mentioned that in the past episode. 
Well, it all started in episode 17 when we talked about this journey about uh, this is going to take a while. A, a wasteland. Splatulator slapsters. Like, get some special powers to defeat the evil darkness. Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. I reckon it's time for me to go. I'm glad that's over. Now for a peaceful night's sleep. Well, that's up for now. Yeah, we gotta catch a train. Since I'm going home, you can't my arts and project. It's a tweezer holder. All right, guys. Let's go fuck. How long have we been away? See you soon. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye. <laughs>